1993, Final Approach changed the way we hunt waterfowl. Now, over 25 years later, we're back at it. My name's Mario, host of the FA Podcast. Let's talk waterfowl tips, tricks, tactics, and more. It's all going down right here with the Final Approach Podcast. All right, folks, we're back at it. Another episode in the series as we talk about Final Approach and the history of it. Uh, first first episode is Ron Latshaw. Second episode is Ron Latshaw. There's a lot to there's a lot to cover. There's a lot to go over. Uh, we're talking about you know, we're talking to Ron, the founder, the creator, the inventor, uh, you know, one of the guys who, you know, for lack of a better term, basically changed the waterfowl uh, category, arena, everything, whatever you want to say, with the layout blind and the concept and then other things from there. So, so, Ron, we talked about, you know, making the first blinds and, you know, going from the slider and going from just, you know, wanting to hide better and do all that. And now we start we start progressing. Other companies start, you know, coming out with items uh, different than yours. And then some companies start copying the layout blind. And then it kind of goes to a corporate, you know, now it's now it's like corporate battle. So now we're now we're there. Uh, and then you guys get together and, and are with Culpin and the first sale is over and you're at Culpin and you're growing. And that, that relationship I thought went well, right? They kept me on for five years. Right. Um, and I kept, you know, designing different products for them, not just plants, but, you know, along the lines of other hunters would use besides the waterfowl. Uh, market or whatever we own, turkey and uh, big game and stuff like that. Nothing exotic, but just simple stuff that made a hunter's life easier, you know. And I and I did come up with different versions of the layout line and also dog lines, um, you know, for them as well. Right. They kept me on, to, you know, for consulting as well as as uh, designing more products. Right. Yeah, I mean that I mean that that right. So that keeps going and going well and you know, you get to pull out a couple more products and 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 you have a little bit more backing and and they got some more people on boots on the ground and you know, and it starts it starts working that way. And then how long is that? How long does that go with Culpin? I might have been with them. I was with them for a full 3 years, I know that. Right. And and been close to before by the time, you know, like I got away with they were they just the the president of the company back then. I'm not going to mention names or anything, but it's not the, the guy that's president now. Right. It's not Tom Luke. Right. But anyway, uh, he had a him and his right hand lady. Uh, let's put it this way: not paying attention to the business like they should have been. I don't know what they were doing, but they're in <laughs> right. Europe doing things together. Right. You know, they were at different trade shows there and stuff like that. Right. That. And I don't think a lot of that went too far, not as far as the layout lines anyway. Right, right. They, they were uh, dedicated to the company, though. You know, they had Colpin brand and all that stuff as well. So right. it was convoluted, you know. Right, so so you stay you stay there for three to four years, and then is that when the next sale comes through, or or what happens next? Or well, do you yeah, get out I next? I guess the way, it, the way it really happened... Mario was uh, 
they had a lot of containers, 10 containers or something like that, sitting somewhere in Chicago that that they would not release because they did not pay for them. Oh, geez. So if you was not going to let them pay for the, take the product, the, the, the containers until they paid the product fully, you know? Right. So that stuff took up for quite some time. And I don't know what the in and outs of the whole thing were, but it eventually it, the company started, to, as far as final proof is concerned, started to kind of dissolve, I think, with them. Right. And when I knew when I knew it was going on there, that's when I left. Cause Tim Parsons and I are very good friends. I mean, right. He and I have almost been from the beginning of this. This my products, you know. So what year was that? That that you just decided I'm out. Like uh, that's you've destroyed yeah. enough. <laughs> It had to be, uh, I'm one, two, three, four, 2005, maybe. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, because then after that, then it goes into, you know, kind of like a succession of sales. You know, it goes to, it goes from Culpin to uh, Bushnell. Mm-hmm. And Bushnell. Uh, had Primos, I believe, Primos and Bushnell, and then the company was was merged into ATK, which was a, just a conglomerate name, and then then that transitions into Vista Outdoors. So, right, so it, it's like change after change after change, and you know the thing that I always talk about is, you know, they after you left. And it was, you know, sold or handed off or, you know, like, ha- like it was just a hammy down. It just kept coming down. Uh, when, when that, when that kept going, you know, none of the companies, you know, really, they didn't ruin the name. They didn't do anything bad. They just, they just didn't really do anything at all, really. It just kind of was like sitting as just like a part of a big conglomerate and not much was going on with it. Now, there were the years that we, we talked about where they had moved blind factories. That was after you. And when they moved yeah. blind factories, which which I don't know if that was like, I think that was right after you left, um, they had moved blind factories. And then that's, that's the section of about, I would say at least two to three years where you know, the frames and the aluminum and the covers and everything that was cut and sew and, and the frames, everything was kind of substandard, you know, according to, you know, what you tried to make and did make. And then what we're trying to come back to making, you know, that in-between section was not good because I, I can vouch for that because I know I had some of those blinds and I remember those, you know, just like everybody else. I mean, I'm just telling it like it is. I remember those breaking like after just a couple of uses and I was like, holy crap, this is like, maybe I got a bad one. Nope. Another one broke. Maybe I got a bad one. May ask somebody else. No, theirs broke. So, so yeah, there was, maybe they got a container of that one. So yeah, I mean, there was definitely, there was, there was a few containers of, of goods that were <laughs> substandard. There's no doubt about it because I'm, I'm not the only one that went through that that section and and I think it was kind of in that I want to say like that 2007 era right in there I don't know yeah. if it was 6 or 7 but but you know that's kind of the timeline uh of going through it and and then at 
at that time, you know, then, you know, I, I think they snapped out of that and, and they got the blinds back to a better manufacturer. And then they decided they were going to get into the decoy market, which was shortly after that. So then that all started. So, and then, you know, it well, just, you, it, go ahead. You do know, you know, you do know that, uh, Bass Pro had, had something to do with, uh, getting, uh, they had something to do with getting the blind products back over to Pichana. I know that for a fact. Gotcha. And I don't know if you knew that or not. And, um, the, the one gal that I talked to that did a lot of sourcing in China and stuff to get for the Tim Parsons also. And she was, I think she was kind of personally responsible for me. Well, getting, getting the product back up on step, you know what I mean? Where it was right. when I had it. Right, right. Well, I'm sure that, you know. You guys bought the damn thing, which really pissed her off, she told me. <laughs> <laughs> and, this, she, and she loved the company. She loved the products and stuff. But her name's Chelsea. I can't remember her last Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. The, the, um, the thing that I know that, you know, I'm sure that that Bass Pro Cabela's at the time, you know, were, were the major retailer dealing with probably all the returns. And they probably said, you guys got to get your manufacturing, you know, head out of your ass, so to speak. You know what I mean? Because we're getting too many returns. So you guys got to, I mean, you guys got to figure this out. So that's probably what spurred getting them out of the bad factory back to the better factory. Because, you know, I, I guarantee I wasn't, I know I wasn't the only one with broken blinds. And I didn't even bother returning them or I'd call customer service at, at FA and be like, oh, yeah, we're having some issues. Yeah, no kidding. So. It, it was just a, a bad situation. So, so yeah. And listen, you remember, you remember Craig Ballman? Yeah, Craig. Craig used to work at Sportsman's Warehouse. Yeah, he did, but he also was working for Vista for a while. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, he, he actually called me and says, "Man, he's I hate to even tell you this, but this company that I'm working for right now, I think it's kind of embarrassing to be with him. He said they really hoard up his product bad. Of your, yeah. your final approach brand, you know, by just making everything so freaking cheap." Yeah, and and that's a. Apologizing to me, I guess. Well, listen, there's listen, there's no doubt that you, you know, anybody that anybody that came through that time, like Craig did, uh, I did, a a ton of other people came through at that time where they were so obsessed and 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 buying the best gear that they could, and the blinds at that time were incredible and the gear at that time was incredible and it, it wasn't failing you so when you when you see a great brand like that take a, a a bad turn and the products go down you you absolutely feel bad i mean i felt you know i, I mean i've known you for you know 20 years i guess I, maybe i don't you know at least that and and i think to myself yeah. like you know when that was going on i was like I, I can't i can't buy another final approach blind i gotta buy something else because they're breaking and and i felt like you know i felt like i was cheating you know what i mean like like that was a disgrace because i had always used it <laughs> and and that i mean that sucked you know what i mean that was shitty i just had to suck it up my, my wife told me when i sold the company you know with the company she right. said you know, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to figure out how to uh, how to not to be concerned about what happens because this is a, a, a big corporation or a bigger 
group of people uh, have run a corporation here, and they're going to do what they want with this company no matter what. Right. And you're going to have to learn how to how to deal with that and not be upset about things and, you know, basically not screw up our relationship and like that, you know? Right, right. So, right. I took a like, but it still pissed me off, you know? Well, well, and, and, the brand, and I, the brand, you know, that I know that we had. Yep. I, I think the big deal of our company is they like, they like the quality and they like the longevity of the products. There's no doubt. There's and a, they like, they like our people service, you know, the, the, the being at talking, they like talking to us one on one if they had questions, yep. you know, because yep. I mean, they got designed it, you know. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. The people were great. The products were great. Everything about it was great. The the marketing, the just the vibe of the company, everything was way ahead of its time, uh, and especially in the waterfowl category. And it was just, it was just a great time to come through and be a waterfowler. And then, you know, then it takes that slide. And and I know there was a lot of guys that felt the same way. Like like man, this is this sucks is what's going on and 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 fa kind of just goes to the wayside for a while you know what i mean so yeah it it hurt there's no doubt about it it hurt i i didn't i didn't like any part of that and listen i i I get the big mentality i get the big company mentality like you know you have all these brands you're trying to do as much as you can for each brand you're trying to make as much money because you either have you know, somebody to answer to above you, or there's a board of directors, or you're a public traded company, and you got all kind of people to answer to, and I get all that kind of stuff, and and you know what? Final approach was never was never that. You know what I mean? That's not what made it great, and it started out small and grew to where it should have been, and then it went corporate, and then it took a slide and it stayed corporate, and now. You know, we're kind of dragging it out of the corporate to, to go back to what, you know, what you started because that's that's how, you know, that's how I always envisioned it. The guys that used it way back and, and the, you know, the younger kids that are starting to use it today, you know, I mean, that's what they should set their standard on is, is final approach gear and how good it's made and the decoys and the blinds and everything we do is going to last, you know, and and you can use it hard and that's what we're trying to go back to so you know yeah. i mean shit happens you know you go through a, a section like that it's just you know it is the history that's just what happened you know so yeah, i understand yeah i mean you were, you were there we watched it i mean the whole thing so so okay so that, then we go through all this and now now you know there's waterfowl guys running the company uh, you know, we don't have to answer to, there's only a few of us, we don't have to answer to a corporation, we don't have to answer, you know, to board of directors, we don't have to do anything, so we're making waterfowl products for waterfowl hunters, just like you started, and, but, but you've never, you've never gone away, so why don't we get to, like, what you're doing now, because you're not, you're not out, <laughs> you can't get out of the business. I, you know, when I uh, finally kind of severed ties with those people, I kind of, I kind of sat back and kind of thinking about things. I didn't know if I want to release. I've got some really good ideas for blinds right now. Right. I've actually made, them, but I, but didn't get into marketing. I didn't. Have, what we did was we market, marketed, spent our marketing dollars on a, a, a motion decoy that I came up with. That's uh, remote. You know, it's you can remote it from a hundred yards away. You can speed it up, slow it down. 
momentary it you can do um, shut it off completely or whatever you want to do with it and uh, it's pretty it's pretty unbelievable I don't know if you've ever even seen one there they they've been on YouTube for a while now it's called clone decoys yep yep I've seen them the guys the snow goose guys rave we've got some really serious I mean designed originally for snow goose hunting okay yep you know how snows love motion they love it they're, they're the ones normally that uh, are most attractive stuff. But we've got we've got them in the Mallard Hens, Drake Mallard. We've got them in the uh, Snow, the Blue, the Speck, and the Canada. And guys like Sean Stahl started using them for. I mean, they use them like they're flagging, literally, because you can momentary the thing. You know, you right. speed it up. Yeah, you can turn it on down, and off. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's. It's function. I mean, it's really functional. It's a good product. I mean, it looks realistic. There's nothing better in the market, or not not yet anyway. That doesn't mean it ain't going to happen someday. But this product is really. We've got a lot of people behind it that use it that are guides and stuff. I got one guy, Jonathan Olson. This, uh, I, you can't believe how this guy. I mean, he's 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 knocked as many as 110 birds out of one go on one block. Jeez. These geese are coming. The snows are trying to land right on the corner. You know. Yeah, they they're dedicated. You know, a lot of these guys are putting out thirty or forty of them outfitters because they swear by them. You know, they work. You know. Yeah, I mean, so, listen, it looks like they, it looks like a real I bird. I mean, I, I couldn't afford to do them. Yeah, looks like a real bird landing and, and coming in. It 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 no doubt does. It is absolutely effective because I've listened to the guides who really chase the snows and 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 the ducks uh, in fields. Uh, you know, rave about it and what you know what it looks like and what it does there's no doubt about it it's it's legit so yeah so you've never you've never really left and if they go to clone d it's clone decoys.com right right and on top of the clone they come up with a i call it a persuader it's a motion it's a stand that makes the bird go left to right back and forth five and a half feet one direction you know to the next direction and while it's going back and forth and you can remote the persuader stand as well while it's going back and forth the birds hop hopping up and down and flapping at the same time so it looks like a bird is trying to pick out a spot to land and right in the middle of a bunch of snows that are already in the ground you know you yeah. don't put it in an open spot you put it right into the birds are all, all that's right congregated and it really it it's the thing that's so nice about the two combined you know you can put them on a separate stand and run them that way and you put a couple of persuaders out there it basically as I think it's kind of hurt the sales of the, the old Vortex machines and stuff like that because it's a lot more realistic, you know. Well, there's no, listen, there's no doubt it's it's more realistic than, than a lot of the other things that are out on the market because it, it, you know, once again, when you go back to it, you know, a waterfowl guy making a true uh, idea or, a, or I should say a, a, a solution for a problem and, you know, obviously snows are problems, uh, you know, getting big bunches in, making it look realistic. If you have 2,000 rags out or whatever, you know, what if the wind's not blown? What if the wind's blown a little bit? You need motion. They, they love that motion. And that, that persuader that you're talking about, the, the, the base that goes back and forth, like it looks like it's hovering. I mean, that, that yeah. is as realistic and, and, and is insane insanely realistic because if you if you watch birds enough especially the snows that's absolutely what they do so yeah you're you're always yeah. trying to make a better mousetrap there's no doubt about it 
you know, that's the part, that, you know, that the Vortex machines or the merry-go-rounds, the carnivals, whatever you want to call them, they, they did well for a long time, but, you know, they're, it's a juvie killing machine is what it is. Yes. Because you know, juveniles are the ones that buy it, and these the clones actually kill a lot of adults. I mean, we got adults. That's what I hear all the time about the guy making these guys that are really... Right. Amped up on it, and so you know these the adults come in there. Just you know, they not always, but way more than they ever did with any other of the you know motion products in the market before. So yeah, I do. I do hear the same thing. I hear the uh, <clears throat> I hear the rotary machines are absolutely the same thing. So so I would agree with that. You shoot a lot of shoot a lot of juvies with it. Uh, you know, they sucker the 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 dumb birds in, the young birds in. I, yeah, I've heard the same thing. You know, and and but I will agree the more the more true lifelike motion you can get, uh, the more adult birds you will harvest. There's, there's no doubt about it. So, so they go to the website. So you're still in it. So you got some layout blinds, of course, as well. I mean, you haven't gone away from, from, you know, things that you know how to make and know how to do. So, you know, the good thing is, you know, you started this way back when, and you're still, you're still going. So you, you are an inventor and a pioneer. There's no doubt about it. We make a water a water stand for the clones too. So if you want to put it out there, like in a, in a if, you know, if you're hunting off the bank or whatever, you want to put it out in front of you like you would in a decoy spread with mallards and stuff. It's it it's pretty darn effective. It looks real as hell. So I've got a, a number of products there that are in line with it, and you know, an accessory I have accessory items for the product. So it, it's been pretty good. It really has. It's, it's, it's. I mean, we've never really gotten into that. We haven't done the big box stores as all. We right. just do it on a website, you know. Yeah, I mean, listen, and that's that's what's cool. Like I said, you're you're still you're still going, you're still in it, and you know, I think, I think that's the coolest part about it, uh, is is you're still going because there there really isn't too many people still in it that had started or you know made a major move and and the category changed. So, so it is pretty, it is pretty cool. The, the young, the young generation needs to, you know, take their hat off to you and, and, and all that. I mean, that's just showing respect. So that's, that's definitely what needs to be done. Let, let me, let me ask you this. Where do you think, I mean, you've seen the waterfowl section, the category change so much, you know, I mean, I mean, I'm sure you remember the first spinning wing decoy that you saw and it was so like remedial right i met the i met the guy that invented it <laughs> actually he actually um who was it he was to, because of you know my company at the time final push i don't know if he was trying to get involved maybe to get more um liquid off the product but i'm from california down there in the butte sink area and it was, at that time, all it was like a a goalpost with a diamond yes. shaped blade, an oblong diamond shaped blade in there. Yep. And he was bragging about it. He could stand out there right next to that thing with and just clad clothing on, red, right, bright red clothing like that, and the bird was coming there and annihilated. So you who know. was it? Who was the first guy that did it? Because he got totally ripped off. It was Dave something. I cannot remember his name at all. Oh but, my god! But he was he was the pioneer for sure. Actually. My my patent attorney patented that product for the guy. Did he really? So, yeah. Oh my god! Because so so the first one that you're talking about was like the goalpost. I remember I remember the first one I saw. This guy was like we were hunting. 
we were hunting a place up here in Oregon and he was like, he's like, wait, do you see this? He's like, the birds will just, he said, the birds will just come from a mile up straight down. And I'm like, what is this guy talking about? And what is this thing that he has? So he puts this post in the ground and, and we're on this little sheet of water and it's like that little like six volt battery or whatever the hell the square ones were. And he puts that on there and he, he clips it on and it looks like, I mean, it looks like a duck plucker. You know what I mean? It just looks like it's going round and round. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, this guy is, maybe he's out there. Like, It was all about the flash, Mario. The that's flash. right. It was just like, yep. if you look at Mallard's Virginia, whoever this guy was, whatever he did, and however he, 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 he saw the, he saw the handwriting on the wall. That's right. What the attraction was, you know, in the motion for the Mallards on water in the fields or whatever. And on yep. sunny days, it looks better than it does on gray days. Yep. But I mean, it works. It's, yeah. I, I think how many birds have killed it those things. Oh, and, it's almost and we just sat there and smashed birds that year was just I, I remember taking it um and this is like the craziest story that i have on a spinner i remember taking one and going to a low spot that had literally like your boots were just barely getting wet and i remember putting it on like a, a 10 foot pole and turning it on and i had like four or five guys and i didn't have not one decoy and and i said we're gonna shoot a bunch of widgeon because they've been running this slot and i guarantee you they're gonna get they're gonna hook up right behind this spinner and we're gonna shoot them right here and these guys were like this kid is out of his mind he's must be he's either drunk or he's been smoked like i don't know what is wrong with him and i'll tell you what every one of those guys couldn't believe the shit that happened after I turned that on and it, it got light out and the birds just would, they would just circle and hook up right behind it. And, and we were just pounding and those guys all walked out of there. Couldn't believe it. And I was like, it, it was, it was as crazy and as ugly as I've ever seen anything. And yeah. yeah. And then you knew right there, like the game was changed. There's no doubt. What, uh, go ahead. There is one more project I've got too that I actually had out for a while, and that's it's called Feather Flyers, and that's a wind. It's a oh wind yeah, the Feather Flyers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I have used those. Looks like a bird whistling, you know. And that's and that was for snow goose hunters as well. Yep, I had yeah. used those. But there are a lot of guys that use them. They like to use them in conjunction with you know the feather or with the Columbia coins and stuff too, and they just. It's just a learning curve on all that stuff, you know, where you would place your decoy yep. set on any given day, depending on wind, you know, or light or anything else. But the guys that that are consistently hunting over this stuff and have learned how to use it properly are the ones that are, are successful. They do real well with it, you know. What do you think if if you if you think back from you know, from it doesn't even matter, just from now and all the way back, what do you think are some of the some of the products that you think have have changed waterfowling the most. What do you think? I mean, because you've seen the the, I mean, you've seen it go, you know, for a long time as far as you know tactics and 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 gear. You telling me I'm getting old? No, hell no. You're just getting <laughs> seasoned. I think is what it's called. That's what Lee Jost calls it. I think. <laughs> 
Every time I look down at my inner when I'm taking a whiz, it looks like it's getting seasoned. Man. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think the Mojo Mountain, that Mallard, it, it, you know, it's adopted the name Mojo because right. the company Mojo bought it. They, right. they bought it from the guy that she was the inventor, and they, they had to because he was the guy that had the patent that was a strange right. And I think that would have to be, uh, in my mind anyway, for duck hunters, I think that, you know, it's not a great tool for goose. Right. Geese at all. The snows don't care for it. The specs don't Agreed. like it. The cannons don't like it. But the ducks. Anything I've been around, you know, they're doing multi species hunts like that, which I've done a bunch of those with different. Yep different guys, the Saunders included. And, you know, you got, if you got the mojos out there, you got to turn them off and you do start cutting. Yep, you got to turn yeah. them on and off, on and off. Yeah, yeah. no doubt, That's though, it. it's a duck-killing machine. There's no doubt. Now, it, it's getting to the point now where you got to use it sparingly, you got to use it in the right spot and, yeah. and go from there. Um, it's just like the stogies, Mario. I yeah. mean, the adults are the ones that are leading the group into the, into the spread, you know, and if they see some of us Oh man, we've been mm -hmm. shot at before. That damn thing. Let's get out of here, you know. You know, so, you know. I always it's just educated. That's right. That's right. They're definitely. Uh, you got to pick the. You got to pick the adults out, and and at least harvest a good majority of the adults, and then let the juvies come through too. And yeah, to have good seasons. There's no doubt. You know, I, I remember. I remember one thing that sticks out in my mind with with FA, and. Uh, I, I'm almost positive you were gone by then. I, I know you were. So I remember like everybody at the time, like in that section, and I think it was in that that 06, 07, 08, like kind of in that in that section of products. And I remember having Randy Bartz out here to the Oregon Waterfowl Festival, right? And uh, he was like the Did most Randy Bartz, Randy Bartz yeah. He oh, was okay. he was like the most interesting, funny, nice guy you You're know awesome. you ever want to meet, right? Awesome. Yep. And then Randy Bartz was called the flagman. Randy made yes, flags. Yes. Like I, I don't I don't think there was anybody before him doing that or or maybe there were a couple guys but then Randy made it a business. Does that sound about right? Well he's the originator, I'm sure, of the flag. I mean I'm sure he is. Of the of the wings, you know, not right. There were guys taking a square piece of material, black material on a, on yep. a piece of dowel and waving Sean Mann still uses that. Yep, I remember that. But Randy was, yeah, he was the originator of the flag. I mean, the wings, you know, the right. wing type flag. Yeah, he made the flag look like, you know, a goose from far yeah. away. And right, so I'll never, I'll never forget, like, like, you know, Randy's in all the stores and he's got all his products going and he's doing pretty good. And here's this, you know, old guide, uh, you know, out of Minnesota who's just like salt of the earth. And then all of a sudden, I see like every major company go and make a flag and yeah. and try to squash little randy bartz and you know listen avery did it fa did it like everybody was doing it and i thought that was probably that was the time that i just i looked at things and i was like you know what that's about as shitty as a move as you can be as a company so like really does does a major company really need to make a flag 
and and cut out Randy Bartz. Like, you know, uh, at that time, like, you know, a, a $10 flag, you know, that you were making for $4 probably, you know, do you really need to do that to, to you know, go after a, a small business owner and a guide and a waterfowler and a guy who's respected? And I just thought that was just, I don't know. I just thought that was the shits, I thought. You know what? It's it's sad. It's just like everything else. And, you know, Randy's never lost uh, respect from anybody, you know. And I think he still is considered, uh, I mean, he's, he's the flag man, right? He's the flag he's man. There's no doubt. The guy. And, and the other thing about Randy was he's not a quitter. And that was going on. I mean, him and I were pretty close friends. Yeah. Because Tim and I and him were kind of, you know, there's and Freddie and everybody else, but, you know, and, you know, for us, we all knew him really well. But uh, he, he didn't give up. You know no. what I mean? He was pissed and he spoke his mind about it a few times, but he didn't, he, he kept coming up with more ideas, which is what you should do, you know? Yeah, he did. He had a couple more after that because then he made like the long pole flag, then he made one that was like, you could retract it all the way out. He made some other things. Oh, yeah, he, he definitely g- didn't give up or didn't just sit there and take it. But it just, like, that to me, that salted me on on that part of the business because I just, I just, I don't know. I didn't like it's, it. It's a copycat industry, I'm telling you. Yeah. That's, but I think all, a lot of the hunting industries are. But waterfowl particularly has really been a copycat industry big yeah. time. You know? yeah. So, it's, I mean, I can tell you that personally. Yes. <laughs> firsthand yeah listen it's there's there's still people copying you know things that you did and others did there's no doubt that you know oh my god like wait wait till a patent's up and then everybody jumps on it and then they're gonna make the same thing so it's like you know it is tough it is tough it's definitely there is that side of it that isn't that much fun there's no doubt about it i mean i mean where does this all where do you see this going you know, I mean, what? Well, I, I don't know. You know, with what's happened in the world today with all this crap, COVID and stuff, it's hard to say. You because know, not ninety percent, maybe even close to hundred percent of the products that are made for waterfowl hunters are done in, offshore in China. You know, yeah. yeah. And it's just hard to say what's going to happen if China can't keep up with the demand. You know, supply demand thing. Right. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm wondering that myself. I really am. You know. I always, I always bring this up and, and, and the younger kids that are listening to this, you know, you'd have to go back and look at a couple things and I'm definitely not talking down to anybody that's younger, but it's just the state of affairs of waterfowl and it's, it's, it's changed so much. And I've watched the change because, you know, when I came through as a young hunter and a caller and, and a young guide, you know, I, I came through that whole section watching and learning from you know, you and Tim Grounds and Fred Zink and Sean Stahl and Sean Mann and Barney Califf and and Buck Gardner and you you come through that and I and I'm missing some uh you know I, I, uh, Butch Richenbach you know I'm Randy Bartz you know I'm I'm missing I'm definitely missing some guys because there were so many but at, at this point in time you know we're we've lost so many of those icons that that weren't you know they would help you at the drop of a hat if you had a question or you wanted to talk to them or you called them out of the blue you know they would sit and talk to you and 
and no problems. So, I mean, that was totally, we're totally missing that. And, you know, obviously it's different now with the social media age and Instagram people and your followers and your subscribers on YouTube and this and that. And I just, it, it, it saddens me a little that this generation right now, they don't get to see those kind of guys on a regular basis. You know what I mean? Yep. Look at Eli Haydell. That guy was incredible. He was an awesome guy. I don't know if you were around him or not, but he was... Who? I'm sorry, I didn't hear. He would help everybody and anybody teach about a blow call, you know, or whatever. But he, you know, he still makes the best. His son, Rod Haydell, took the company and kept learning about it. He, Eli died there a few years back. But anyway, right, Haydell's right. Um, yeah. But the, the Haydell call is uh, that one call in particular, the D50, I can't remember which one it was. Uh, the was DR85. D50. This is a DR85. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know if you had a chance here, okay? Anyway. Everybody blew that call. You know what I mean? That's still one of the best calls in the market, in my opinion. <laughs> it really is. It, it's probably killed more ducks than, you know, it's probably killed more ducks than anything out there, I would say. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. been around forever, and everybody has bought one or picked one up or blown one or hunted with one. Oh, my God, yeah. There's no doubt. And I... I think Rod, no, it was Eli. Eli was out here for the festival one year, and I had met Rod somewhere else. And just like you said, anytime you met him or talked to him, you know, needed a call tune, needed to talk, ask something, or just shoot the breeze, they were like all about it. So, yeah. you know, you know that's the that's the thing that's kind of that's the thing that's kind of crazy, you know. <laughs> Another another story I'll throw at you and you'll get a kick out of this is, you know, I saw the I saw the bad side of this, the business with with, you know, ripping off Randy Bartz or whatever. But a, a funny part of the business is I remember uh, Sportsman's Warehouse was doing these um, those waterfowl weekends or whatever. And they were all over the they were all over the states and they were having big calling contests. Remember, they, they would have all those and you would qualify and mm -hmm. go to the big one. OK. So Duke LeVan, who we're going to have on the podcast as, as we go through the series here, and he's a great friend of yours. So Duke, Duke is supposed to go down to Texas to one of the events, and he can't go. So he tells the guy to call me, and, and I can go. So I go, okay, yeah, I can go. So I go down there. I'm at this. It was one of the new stores in Texas. I'm down there, and the Duck Commander guys are there. Now, this is before... Duck Dynasty and all the crazy yeah. crap and Psy yeah. and all this other stuff. This is just Jace and uh, uh, Phil, and that's it. Mm -hmm. And I'm there. And I start talking to, to Jace, and we just hit it off and start talking. And I said to him, um, at this point, they were using those like feather feather or feather I don't even know do you remember the blow up ones or the Cherokee sports or something it was like it was like a very cheap like it was I was like oh my god and and I said I said I gotta ask you I said why I said why are you guys like I saw the commercials I said why are you guys like partnered up with them I'm like am I missing something like I don't get it and he said listen he said he said 
the money that they're paying us, he said, we, we have to, we, we couldn't turn it down. <laughs> and, you know, and that's Everybody's when, a product work, you know what I mean? Uh, and that's when I just go. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not saying that bad about Phil and his family or nothing like that, but you have to, you have to go with what's marketing you best, I guess, when you're trying to grow your business like they have. Right. Right. Yeah, you know, I mean, they didn't go to this. Their duck calls, yeah, that was their their tagline. But I talked to Phil's wife one time at an event up in, uh, it was a Ducks Unlimited thing up in, uh, what was it? Oshkosh. Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oshkosh, yeah. somewhere. Anyway, uh, and I, we, we actually went and had dinner with him or something like that. And one evening, and uh, his, the mom was saying that, you know, they make more money off of their videos they sell oh, yeah. each year off their decoys, you know. So, I mean, that's they were marketing their calls through videos, just like you know, I started doing, too. You yeah. know, after, I mean, I knew they were doing it. I was working with them. That's why I started doing it with my clients and stuff like that. I mean, it was yeah. a powerful tool back then. Oh, my God. The videos, like the Duckman videos were, I mean, that's how you really found out about them. Listen, if you weren't from the South or or in that section or had never heard of them or, or whatever. I mean, there was no, you know, they weren't on TV. Like you couldn't turn, turn on, you know, Sunday, Saturday, yeah. Sunday morning television and see the duck commander smashing. You know what I mean? You, you couldn't see that. So you had to get a, a, a video, a VHS tape and, and it was, and that's what created the cult, you know, of following of them. And then, you know, like you said, the duck calls, that's that's not even part of the business. It's the brand is the business and then the T V yeah, show and all that sure. bring out through, oh, yeah. marketing. Yeah. Exactly. And that, that takes it that takes it to another level. You know? Yeah. And, and Phil's a smart guy. You know what I mean? Phil's Phil's really smart. Yes. He really is. Yes. And, and he's married to the right lady and yes. they had a great family and you know, everybody gives uh, the son that got him on T V. Yeah, Willie. Well, they, yep. they give him all the credit. Well, Bill started the whole goddamn thing. That's right. I mean, he, he's a smart man. So, yeah, I mean, if yeah, if, if smart because he he knew how to take it to the next level. Yes. You know, it's yeah. it's like uh, it's like a progression to a crazy progression because, you know, if if you don't know your if you don't know your Phil Robertson history, you know, you go back and Phil was playing football and Terry Bradshaw <laughs> was the quarterback that was behind. Phil, right? Yeah. So, so, yeah. so Phil says, "I'm done with football. I want to shoot ducks." And Terry Bradshaw goes through and becomes, you know, this this quarterback right through college, and then goes to the Steelers and is like a Hall of Famer. And if <laughs> Phil doesn't want to shoot ducks, like maybe Terry Bradshaw doesn't happen. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> life is crazy. So. But then Phil, that's what he wanted to do. Like he followed his dream, and he wanted to, he wanted to go and do that, and that's what they did. And exactly, yeah. exactly. It was passion. Oh sure. my god, yeah. So how? I mean, just crazy, crazy stories like that and stuff that's happened. You know, and I'm sure. Listen, I'm sure when I talk to Duke that I'm going to get all the ground stories. There's no doubt. Let I'm, me tell you something that you're bringing Timmy <laughs> up again. I love that. Was, I miss Tim so much. Huh? I said I miss Tim. That son of a bitch. I miss him so much. The reason, the, the, probably the biggest reason I left the company when I did, when Colpin had it, was be, because they literally, 
and I'm being honest when I tell you this, screwed up my relationship with Tim Browns. Really? Yeah. yeah. They, there's a, some bad blood stuff going on there between different people at the time, and Tim was really upset about the whole thing. Like, I had, I didn't have control over what the decisions right. were being made right. by Colt with my right. approach anymore. You know, I think there's nothing I can do to make any of that stuff Ugh. right in Tim's, in Tim's mind. And it just started, uh, it tore us apart, really. It, it, he's, he just, he got super bitter about everything. And I tried my best to explain what was going on on my end, but I couldn't do it. I tried like hell to keep him in the loop with everything that was going on, involved with the company and all that stuff. And it was just was not working anymore. They didn't want it to be that way. They wanted to do a, go a different route. Sometime I'll talk to you about it when we're not on, the, on this <laughs> podcast. I'll give you the whole story, okay? You know that sucks. I mean, I mean, Tim, and that's when that's when Tim kind of that's when he kind of moved over to like I think he went to Higdon to use that stuff for a little bit or or started doing yeah, he was, some. He was friends with Higdon before that, and right? They, they've been friends for a long time. I got you. So then uh, he went, but but yeah, then he just kind of. Yeah, he did. He just kind of went, with, went on a different tack, you know. Right. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you have yeah, to. And never, that. I've never felt good about it Ugh. from the time it happened, and I, 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 it was just a bad, it was a real bad thing. And I, you know, Tim got, would not talk to me on the phone anymore because of it. And I, I, like Duke, always stayed in touch. And he right. always kind of tried to intervene a little bit. And he says, "Man, he says." Yeah, he says, I don't really know if Tim's upset at you or if he's, what he's upset about, but he says it's just a real sore spot. So, yeah, it's a bummer. Because him and I have had, him and I, even with Duke or without Duke, have had way, way, way too much fun, you know, in oh. the industry and had a good time, did a lot of stuff together, did a lot of video stuff together. There's no know, doubt. It's like, it's a bummer the way it happened, you know? Yeah, there's no doubt that that's and that's you know he that's did, another he crap part. Thing, he just got more involved in his calling business. Really, when yes. that happened, he really, you know, he just settled back into that and really got more serious about it. He got Hunter involved more. Yeah. Hunter was already involved, but um, you know, he really got he started grooming Hunter for the championship calling and all that stuff. And you know, did a hell of a job. And you know, and maybe that was you know. You know, stuff happens for a reason. Maybe that was it. You know what I mean? It sucks that it happened that way, but it pushed him to kind of, like you said, push the calls more, get Hunter more involved, and then, I mean, and then all of a sudden, you know, I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't like Ground's calls weren't weren't top notch, but then it just got pushed to the next level, and then they just started, you know, really owning the contest stage at that point. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, crap happens for a reason. You know, you never know what it is, whether it's good or bad, until it all shakes out. So. You know that's the that's the crazy part, but yeah, listen, Tim was Tim was an incredible guy, and and if you knew him really well, you know you 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 knew what he was up to, and 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 what he meant, and what he was doing, and and where his head was at most of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. He, he was a no bullshit guy. Though. That's I mean, right. You know, yep. We did some business stuff together, and I mean, he was one of those guys that yeah called him and said, "Hey, man, I need to check for this much." For what I'm sending you, and he goes, okay. The check could be there before he got the product. Half the time, yeah, you know. So. Yeah, he was one of a kind. There's no doubt about it. So, and that's yeah. that's the that's the He's stuff awesome. I'm talking about. You know, the, missing those guys, learning from those guys, listening to the, those guys, watching them hunt on 
film, whether it was, you know, what, it doesn't matter what it is today, whether it's YouTube or you watch it on a VHS, like just, just what, what those kind of guys did, how they hunted, how they carried themselves, how they honored the sport. You know, that's, that's the huge thing, how they honored the sport, the tradition, and how they, you know, looked at waterfowling. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Totally different, you know? So maybe we can kind of start going back that way and, and show the sport, you know, uh, you know, I'm not saying people don't respect the sport, but I, I just, I just, you know, want to teach the younger folks coming in, you know, all that stuff about it. So they kind of come through the right way. So that just yeah. makes the sport better. Yeah. 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 Well, I know I'm going to, I know I'm going to end up talking to Duke. Uh, I'm going to get Lee Joson, who was a big part of, you know, the marketing and the branding down the road when Jeff Foyles came on and, right. and, and, and Bill Saunders came on and, and all that. So there's a lot of guys to talk to. I'm going to get Dave Smith on and Don Guthrie because they were part of the crew, you know, of the Oregon Lundy guys get Darren. and Darren Lundy because they were all here, you know, and saw it firsthand. Cause I mean, this was home, this was headquarters, this was home base. So, you know, yeah, all those. James actually had it with Tim Browns and I. We were doing some video stuff over there in Oregon. So, yep. Yep. But, I mean, he got he knew Tim really well, too. I mean, he, just kind of the whole, he's part of the family, you know? There's no doubt. There's no doubt. There's definitely a huge, huge group of guys here. So, so yeah, as we as we continue with the series, we're going we're gonna to definitely put some more guys on and get some more perspectives and info. So, uh, if I get any discrepancies from anybody or any crap, I guess, then I'll get you back on. <laughs> oh, okay. So, yeah. So once we once we keep going, like I said, I'll I'll uh, if I need to get you back in to uh, clear anything up, I definitely will. So we'll see what Duke has to say, and then we'll go from there. <laughs> well, I don't want to get into a, bat, a battle of the roses over this thing, but I, I can I can tell you there's things I'm not talking about with you because I I just know better. Well, sure. I oh, mean, listen, there's definitely yes, like you're talking about right now. Yeah, no, there's yeah. The people that know, there's people involved would know exactly what I'm talking about. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yes. So, I'm yeah. just not going to talk about it. Yes, we don't need right. to go certain certain places. We 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 know that a lot of the guys that came through at that time knew all the stories and. And 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 heard it all and went that route, saw it. So yeah, it's all but good. The other part of the thing is Mario. What the, who the hell gives a damn? It's moving. Everybody's moving on. Everybody's done what they want to do. Right. And things have progressed. And it is what it is. Whatever happened, happened. And I'm not sore about it. I'm not upset about it. And I don't give a damn anymore. Right. I'm just glad that you know. That I, I'm glad that I was part of it. That's right. So. You know, the best thing, the best thing, I, I, and I remember, you know, we, we talk about grounds all the time, but he was so, so pivotal and so outspoken and stuff. But I remember Tim saying, you know, like, I, I think it was like somebody was talking about, like, not having another call maker at an event or doing something like that. And Tim's like, Tim's like, have everybody come. He's like, there's enough calls and enough people to sell to everybody. Just just have them come. He's mm -hmm. like, it's better for the sport. And, and, and he's like, if a guy doesn't come over to my booth and he doesn't like my call and he goes over there and buys another call, good for that guy. Like, like there's enough business to go around in the waterfowl section that it's okay to have competition and it, it's okay to have other people in the categories. You know what I mean? It's, it's okay. Now, obviously, when somebody is, 
is copying your item or your idea. And, you know, obviously something like that. Yeah, that's that's shitty. There's no doubt about it. Is it going to happen? It's absolutely going to happen. You know what I mean? So, but having more people. The same guy that buys the copycat call from the copycat is going to go back and buy another call from Jim Grounds anyway. And he knew that. That's that's the thing about Tim. I think he was aware. He understood that with these guys. These guys are obsessed with calls. These guys that really get into it. Yes. Well, I mean, I know guys that have 125, 150, $135 calls. Yeah. And a lot of them. I'm serious. Yeah. I'm serious. Well, and, and I think Tim knew that. Well, and Tim, Tim it, knew. It, it was a low ticket item. It's affordable. Yeah. And if they wanted it, they bought it. You know? Tim had so, enough. He had enough knowledge and enough pride in his craftsmanship and his calls that he knew you were going to buy one at some point. So just like you said, if you bought one, bought somebody else's, Tim knew you were going to come and get one of his. You just had to because he was, he was proud of what he made. It was a great call, no matter which one he built. You want to know something else yeah. about him, Mark? It said Tim Grounds on it. There's no doubt. That, that's, that's what the whole thing was. That, you that's know, right. Look how many different versions of the shirt we call he's made over the years. Yep. So, yep. Yeah. It says Tim Grounds. There's no doubt about it. It's just like anything else that's 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 iconic, you know what I mean, that you want to grab. It's it's being yep. a part of that group. You know what I mean? There's no doubt. Yep. Yeah. 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 My hat's off to Tim, it always has been. So. Yeah. All right, bud. Well, listen, uh, awesome again. Great info, great stories, great everything. And like I said, we're going to keep the series going and, and put some more guys on. And like I said, if if Duke gives me any crap, I'll I'll call you back. <laughs> Give me a call back when you're more done with this, okay, right away. I will. I'll tell you something. I will. I'll call you. Sounds good. Thank you, Ron. All right. Thanks. Man, I'll tell you what. It's, uh, it's the FA podcast. We're doing the history of FA and, and the whole waterfowl category. Uh, it's just incredible talking to Ron Latchaw, the inventor, the creator of the layout blind and how far it has gone. It's still going. I mean, we're, we're making changes on the FA blinds now to make them better and you can only do so much to make them better. And we're, we, we made some cool, uh, blinds the past couple of years with the knockout series, uh, and how they break down and everything like that. And, and man, I'll just tell you. Ron was so ahead of his time and had so many incredible things. It just bl- it just blow your mind. So you got to get your hats off to Ron Latchaw because he absolutely changed the waterfowl category and and everything about waterfowl hunting. So guys like that, man, it, they, they are hard to come by. Tim Grounds is the same way. Like, rest in peace, my dude, because you, you changed – you know everything you you gave credit to a lot of people that that deserve credit on the calling side and the Hess brothers and all this other stuff and man you, you, the history part you know is pretty cool and there's it goes way way back and there's there's a lot going on and a lot that went on so pretty pretty cool stuff that we get to go over and we're going to keep this this series going so we appreciate you checking us out uh, big shout outs to our partners and, and, and that have stuck by us. And I'm talking about Weatherby and Federal Ammunition and Rogers Sporting Goods and Ranchline Outfitters up in Alberta. Those four have been with me uh, for a while. Weatherby's a new one on this year. 
Uh, but man, they're just great people, and I just hit it off with them right off the bat. So they just become immediate family, which is pretty cool. So big shout outs to everybody. That's the FA podcast uh, for today. I'm Mario. I'm out.